Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. Sixteen people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Cops do it by the book, creeps. We're here, right now. It's time. We're fucking back, motherfucker, to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. And yes, we are missing our good boy, Be Ready. He really wanted to be here for this episode because it is, I guess I would have to say, his favorite Halloween movie. But he is in Disney World right now, and he's probably riding the fucking Haunted Mansion. So, Or it might even possibly be the night he's going to Halloween Horror Nights, which I've actually never been Same. to. And that, Jeremy, you've never no, been either, no, have no. you? Yeah, being a horror fan it's, and being a fan of Halloween as a season in general, haunted houses and all that shit, I feel like terrible inside that I've never actually been to Halloween Horror Nights when people talk to you and they meet you for the first time. Oh, you like horror and shit and spooky stuff. Ever been to Halloween Horror Nights? Nope. Nope, never. And what's nah. funny is that I've, <laughs> I've been in L.A. twice when they've done uh, Halloween Horror Nights because I, I went right? in 2018 for age 40 the 40th anniversary of Halloween, and then I, I was just there a few weeks ago for the 45th anniversary of Halloween, and I have a bunch of buddies that were like, we're going to Horror Nights, man, you come in. I'm like, I would love to, but I also really love going and getting autographs. So I was on autograph mission mode, so I've never been. As Yeah, as most of our listeners already know, that you would definitely take an autograph over a haunted house any day. Absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. just you. That's just, that's just, that's how, that's how Jeremy is. That is Jeremy. And uh, so it's been a while, ladies and gentlemen, since you've heard us on the mic. The last episode was our spoiler free review of The Exorcist Believer. Hope you enjoyed that one. Um, But it is Halloween season and we want to kick it off proper and the month out strong. And we're talking about one of our I I would dare say the best Halloween sequels. Would you tend to agree? One of them for sure. One One of of them them. for sure. Um, There is a few sequels that I would put over. Halloween four, for sure. Oh, okay, but uh, this is this is a great one, man. It, it's got all the the ingredients. They knew what they were doing because, as uh, most of our listeners know, Halloween three came out and was Michael Myersless, and the general public was pissed that there was no Michael Myers in a movie called Halloween three, right? Because three means it's following two. Right, so I feel like they kind of fucked up by calling it Halloween Three. They saw the three, they saw the three, Jeremy, but yet ignored the tagline that specifically said the night no one comes home. I don't know if that was specific enough. Maybe they should have just put on the poster, Michael Myers is not in this one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, they could have called it like a Halloween story, season of the witch, or or something else, man. But by calling it Halloween Three means. It follows Halloween too. Well, if you if you were gonna switch it up and tell a different story every time, you should have done that with the second one. Then people would be like, okay, like every film is a different film that takes place on Halloween, but Michael Myers works. They wrote a sequel. Now 
you know, so it was not critically well received at the time, and now it's fucking beloved, man. Now people love Halloween three so much. Dude, I'm literally sitting here as we talk, and thank you to our awesome friend Phil from the Spook House podcast, who was out there at age forty five with you. He actually got me the Doctor Chalice Halloween three Tom Atkins figure, which comes with two different bottles of beer. <laughs> um, so thank you, Phil. Seriously, dude, really appreciate that. It it should have come with the pumpkin mask to put over his head yep. too, but whatever. It is it, it is what it is. But yeah, it's 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 widely beloved, and I love Halloween three. Yeah, it's, it's. But as 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 Mustafa Akkad himself said in discussing, you know, the preparation for Halloween four, we always go back to the first one because that is the success. So th- this is a back to basics, lean, mean, killing machine. Halloween movie. Um, they knew what they were doing. Comes... They, they had to put Michael Myers in the title Absolutely. to reassure fans. We know we fucked up with the last one. He's back. Don't worry. And I would have to say, out of all of the Halloween posters we've ever received for the franchise, I think it's probably the fucking best one. Even though it's not at all. The mask that we got. It's not at all the mask. You don't see the the Wallace house uh, or anything in the fucking movie. But it's cool that it kind of... It, it, it reminded fans and audiences of remember that movie you love Halloween that you see on TV all the time or you rent on video cassette. This is a sequel to that. And again, this movie picks up and it's, it's a great 10 year anniversary of the first one. 10 years after the original awakening from his 10 year coma, Michael Myers returns to Haddonfield on Halloween Eve, not to kill his sister. Yes, this is the storyline where uh, Laurie Strode is his sister, but to kill his seven-year-old niece, Jamie Lloyd, uh, who is being pursued by Dr. Loomis. And I'm doing Brady's job here and reading the IMDb synopsis. My man. Um, this is directed by Dwight Little, uh, eventually the director that ended up directing Free Willy 2, <laughs> that massive juggernaut of a blockbuster. Well, that's okay, man. I mean, look, um, look at Amy Holden yeah. Jones from Slumber Party Massacre. She went on to make the movie... Beethoven, or she wrote the movie Beethoven. So, dude, no hate yeah. at all. D- making that fucking dough. Um, Dwight didn't want to be influenced by anything other than the original film. So, while there are references to Halloween 2, you know, we see that giant egg on Donald Pleasance's face, uh, which is a reference to Halloween 2. Uh, but other than that, they don't really mention anything else about it. And the film is written by Alan McElroy, who, again, what he scripted in. A solid 13 days is a meat and potatoes back to basics script for what became a very successful Halloween movie at a budget of five million dollars. And Jeremy, it was number one at the box Fuck. office for two solid fucking Fuck weeks yeah, in October of 1988, grossing around 18 million dollars. So which for huge, back then was huge, was, was huge as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. This this one was what horror fans were craving. Plus it hit really during that slasher era where like we were just getting slashers left and right, man. Friday, they were churning out Friday the 13th movies at this point. Um, so Michael Myers was primed for a return and, uh, you know, they had to amp up the kills a little bit to kind of keep up with the slasher era that was going on at that time as well. So funny is if you, look up Jamie Lee Curtis's panel that she did at Horror Hound in 2012, which is her only to date convention appearance. Uh, They ask one of my questions and they say my name 
during the panel um, because they were smart rather than like giving the microphone to fans and be like, I love you, Jamie, and thanks for being here, and you're so great, and my question is, what was it like working with Donald Pleasance? You know what I mean? Like, to avoid all that bullshit, you had to submit a written question, and if they liked your question, it would be selected. Well, they liked mine, and the question that I asked Jamie was, you know, Halloween... Four was a massive success. Obviously, in the early planning stages for this movie, there had to have been a point where they approached Jamie Lee. Given the success that Halloween 4 saw and the critical appraise by even Quentin Tarantino saying that this movie is a fucking masterpiece, um, did she have any regret about not returning for this one? And, you know, she went into a long spiel about how she had made so many horror films because she thought when Halloween came out and was a massive success that her career was just going to take off. And it didn't really happen like that. Right. It did. Um, yeah, she got some like TV, like some guest TV appearances. And the only way that she was really getting offered lead roles was in horror films because people who saw Halloween and saw how much of a success it was, they said, Hey, let's, let's get her the daughter of Janet Lee. That was the star of Halloween, which made a bajillion dollars. And so she said she made, like, seven of them, I think. And it got to the point where she said that she knew during that last one, she said to her agent, I'm not going to make another one of these. Uh, if that means that I never work again, so be it. But I think if I do one more of these horror films, it's all I'm ever going to be offered to do, ever. So she goes, well, I'm I'm very happy that the the franchise continued and was successful, she said she had no regrets about not returning. So, a fun little nugget. Yeah, check check out the uh, the panel. It's really cool. Yeah, and so they unceremoniously killed her off uh, in a car accident. But they named Danielle Harris's character <laughs> after yeah. her in real life as an after homage. Lee. Yeah, yeah. So, we got her kind of. We see, we see her picture in the movie, so she's still technically... In the movie, Jeremy, do you remember the first ever time that you watched Halloween? Yeah, I remember. I just, I loved it because I was probably roughly around the same age that Daniel Harris was during the movie. So I I, I still love movies that have kids in peril um, because a lot of times we don't get that, right? Even in, in the Friday the 13th movies where it's supposed to be at a, like a kid's camp. You know, we don't get that very much in those movies. It's always like not very. It's always often. like right not before the the kids get there and shit like that. That's why the burning is so great, man. Because it's fuck, it's kids and they're in peril and they're in danger, and I think that's great. And so I, the first time that I saw Halloween four, I was probably roughly around the same age as Daniel Harris. So like, it's kind of just like watching the Monster Squad. Like you relate with those characters because you're in the same, you know, age demographic as them, and so it kind of heightens the, the the scariness factor when when you can relate to the characters because they're the same age as you. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love this one. I, I do remember being like, what the fuck happened to his mask? Like, I don't understand it. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get to the mask here in a few. Um, but before we, before we do that, man, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there. Um, we live in, a, in an age and time where deep fake is such a big thing. And I know I've said this before and I'm going to fucking, oh, no. I'm going to say it again, go. man. Here I'm we gonna go. I'm going to say it again. Um, so you've got, you know, 
a guy that works for Disney, and of course, like now that I mention him, um, his name's fucking escaping me, but he's like the deep fake guy, right? Uh, like he was doing YouTube shit, and he's so good that Disney was like, "Come work for us, holy fuck!" So he has, and so when you watch The Mandalorian, and you see young Mark Hamill return as young Luke Skywalker, it's all uh, Shamush or Shamook, Shamook, I think is his name, and so okay. like, dude. You got people that are that talented at deepfake. I'm like, at some point in time, I'm calling it right now. At some point in time, someone is going to fucking, they're going to nail deepfake so much that it's like even more common. Someone's going to deepfake the original Myers mask in some of these sequels where the masks are shitty. And I'm going to be fucking first one there when they're selling the bootleg copies of it to be like, here's my money. Because the mask is one of my only gripes in a few of these movies. So no, it's extremely fair. I think the reasoning behind it, which we'll get to, is a very valid one in comparison to like five where, you know, Greg Nicotero just sculpted a really ugly ass fucking mask that was based on his own face. Sorry, not saying Greg is ugly or anything, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) whenever we get to that movie, we'll talk about that. But I specifically remember this movie being one of those that in my teenage years we would rent a lot. And not even necessarily in the fall, but like during summer break and shit, we would just always be like, go to the local video store Halloween four. in Hamilton, New York. And the horror section was decent, but it wasn't huge. Right. You wouldn't find the burning there or the prowler sure. or, you know, even the more obscure slashers. So if Halloween four was there, we'd be like, all right, let's fucking grab that one. Um, and it was definitely I would have to say it. A great makeout movie. Yeah. It just was one of those things. Smoke a little dirt weed, <laughs> hanging out at your girlfriend's house, might steal one of her dad's beers. <laughs> just saying. It was one of those movies, and I remember it being specifically that for me. So there is a nostalgia, and I would have to say that the majority of fans all agree with the sentiment that it has the best Halloween atmosphere probably out of the entire franchise. That opening is iconic in its vibe and its tone and just it's the ultimate Halloween vibe movie like everything about it from the opening to the small town nature of Salt Lake City Utah yes there's no Myers house we get it there is reasoning for that but just to me it like it just captures that small town America since since you mentioned the beginning man uh, the first thing I want to call out and every single time I watch this movie I'm like Raymond O'Connor that plays the security guard at Smith's Grove in the beginning of the movie. Man, there's something so... Like, he really sets the tone for the movie because he's so intense and his eyes are, are so blue, man. Um, And, like... He looks like he's he, he should probably be in one of those fucking cells, Absolutely. Man. How'd he get out of his Dude, cell? <laughs> his know? dialogue is so fucking good, too. You know, you know, uh... God ain't got nothing to do with this place. He he's also Jeremy, rightfully so, the exposition dump of the oh, movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he's intentionally, you know, Dwight Little had gone on record and said, you, "Every movie needs their exposition scene." Where so people that haven't maybe necessarily seen, you know, the first two Halloweens or haven't seen him in a long time or whatever, need like a refresher. He's basically there in the elevator scene to be like, "Yo, this is what happened in the last two. We're disregarding the third one. Didn't fucking happen. Yep, here we are. He's 
And here's Michael he, Myers. Here he he is. really sets the tone, man. <laughs> he really sets the tone so well. Um, it's uh, every single time I watch the movie, I'm like, bro, he's like an unspoken fucking hero. Uh, like for me for this movie, because I'm like every single time I'm like, fuck, I love this guy. I love his his small but important character. He's somebody that. Man, if he ever did an event, I would fucking love to grab his autograph. Oh, that was going to be my next thing I was going to say. He's never done an event I, before? You know, I don't know. He seems like he'd be a good chiller name, so it's completely possible, but I've never seen him at anything personally, so um, somebody from Chiller, if you're listening, please book that guy. But, uh, dude, the opening... He, he's he, he's still alive. Yeah, I mean, um, totally agreed. He, there's, a, there's a super creepiness to, to his performance and to his character, and like I said, he seems like he could possibly be in one of those cells himself. But I love his delivery of his lines. It's 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 classic eighties horror at its oh, best for uh, sure. Dude, it's awesome. And then like it sets the tone for the, the opening whole title sequence with all of the Halloween vibes and and imagery that's going on. Man, that's why people are like, "Holy fuck, this movie!" Do you remember when when the uh, Scream Factory box set came out? Like initially like they changed it to where it didn't say a, uh, a Mustafa Akkad film in the beginning do you remember that and like fans went yeah. fucking nuts dude yeah there was a huge error well here's the thing I love Shout Factory Scream Factory um, they're well known for causing small errors like that with sound or certain things missing from the film it's as much as I love them as a label and I purchase all of their stuff it, that was a thing that I remember being because I owned that fucking yeah. box set, which at the time you remember how sought after that it box still set is, was dude. that Sean Clark helped it produce. Still is, uh, and I have it. I had to, I had to buy that shit secondhand. I didn't buy that shit when it first came out, and that was extremely pricey. For so its I time. fucked up. I uh, I had done the exclusive fucking pre order on it, right? It came with that fucking lithograph. And oh, well, here's what yeah, the Paul Shipper yeah, yeah. Well, here's yeah. what happened was all of a sudden, Dark Delicacies in Los Angeles announced that they were doing a yeah, box set a signing. So yeah. I fucking canceled my Scream Factory pre-order to grab the Dark Delicacy one because I'm an autograph guy. Well, I'm thinking they're gonna autograph the box set. They autograph the little book that comes inside of it. It's still cool, man. I've se I've seen them on eBay for a couple hundred bucks or whatever, but I sacrificed that fucking lithograph for that. And in hindsight, yeah. dude, that lithograph goes for fucking over a thousand dollars now. It also, it, I love Paul Shipper. I own a few Paul Shipper originals. You know, uh, I own the yeah, Jaws yeah. one that Spielberg signed for me. I own a Batman '89 one as well. I love his artwork. I think he's probably the closest to Drew Struzan oh, out yeah. there doing his shit. But I loved that art. That's one of my favorite pieces of Halloween art ever. Um, so yeah, that I fucked man. up. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, dude. One of my <laughs> one of my buddies, Nick, recently was like, dude. I know you you're looking for this lithograph, man. Like, I'll sell mine. You know, I mean, it was over a thousand dollars signed by Carpenter. It's beautiful. But I'm like, dude, I can't. I'm trying to buy a Halloween pinball machine right now. So I can't I can't justify an expensive yeah. poster yeah. purchase like that right now. You got to be part of the Halloween pinball club for sure. I mean, if if you have the means, well, I've got why I've the got fuck not, I've right? got items to sell to get the means. I don't have just the means readily available to me. 
uh, liquid wise. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I gotta, I gotta sell a couple things. Once you, once you've been collecting for as long as I have, you, you tend to amass an inventory that you eventually can use, kind of like a fucking your own bank, man. So that's kind of what I'm looking to do with this Halloween pinball machine because they're fucking beautiful. I saw recently. They are uh, gorgeous. Carpenter posted a, uh, or no, it wasn't. It was uh, like Variety did uh, an interview with uh, Carpenter, and he's like in his living room, and he took a picture next to the pinball machine, and I was like, dude, I want that. So, yeah, conquest. On the subject of Salt Lake City being, you know, shoehorned in rather than it being South Pasadena, I think it works. It does. It I for sure does. The look of the town, the vibe of the town, works perfectly. And I really don't necessarily think we need a Myers house in the movie because he escapes and his first, you know, his mode of contention is I'm going to go fucking kill my niece. So why would he have to go back to the Myers house? Exactly. He hasn't been there in and 10 that's years. what woke him up is um, he's in the ambulance in the beginning and they're talking about how Lori's character died and he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm still dead. You know, and then all of a sudden they're like, but his his niece Jamie Lloyd, which I also think is so funny because Jamie Lee, Jamie Lloyd, there's that parallel still. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. super on the nose, which I fucking love. And all of a sudden, like, as soon as he hears that he has a niece, like, his fucking basically lifeless hand clenches. He's like, Rrr! like a fucking Frankenstein waking up, dude. Thumb through a guy's dude, skull, uh, dude. In one of the best effects in the movie, yeah, for sure. Ab- absolutely. Um, That may come up again once we broach a certain topic, but, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, getting to the cast here, I think that's one of the most solid things about mm-hmm. this movie. I mean, you know, we've already seen Pleasance doing a brilliant performance in part one and part two, but there's something different about his performance here. And if you ask Danielle Harris, I know she'll tell you what it is. It's bourbon, because he was drinking it the entire time he was making this movie. But I, I think there's like this he's 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 doing a more grounded performance here he's still doing his over the top you know you don't know what death is bodies, yeah. sheriff between here and richmond you know he's still doing the same sure. thing but it's it's slightly more grounded he's a little bit older it had been quite a few years since he had been playing the character so pleasance is top notch here um and we're going to get to danielle but i have to give it to Ellie Cornell as Rachel Carruthers. I mean, God fucking damn it. If you couldn't, if you can't get Jamie Lee back as Laurie Strode, you have the next best thing here with the girl next door. And, you know, this is someone that Dwight Little fought for because Mustafa Akkad and all the other producers did not like her in that role. They wanted a quintessential 80s scream queen, you know, gorgeous, glamorous. And, you know, Ellie is a pretty girl next door and she's not those things. And there's a strength to that character. I love how the character is written. She does start off a little bit bitchy and selfish, but there's a redemption arc throughout the film where, you know, we see what happens with her and she's protective of Jamie and, you know, she's this surrogate sister figure. And you you end up falling in love with the character, which is why it's such a fucking shame that in the fifth movie they just do her fucking dirty. But I, I, I think it's a huge standout because her performance is fantastic and I just love the way the character is written. And in reality, all she really wants is to get laid, which is kind of like, you know, a, a base thing in the Halloween movies. It's like, yeah, I just kind of want to like be dating someone and maybe have sex, you know? <laughs> but She just wanted to go out on that date and, and her, 
Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers were like, no, you have to watch Jamie, and then she's just like, like, fuck, she's not even my real sister. <laughs> like, dude, she, that's the one thing that gets me every single time we watch, I watch this movie is that, like... We're not real sisters, Dude, what Jamie. a fucking asshole. Every single time. It's like, it's here's true. this... It's here's true, the, But still, like, you know what? Yes, we're sisters. Like, just, just reassure the fucking seven-year-old or eight-year-old orphan who lost both of her parents and she's just looking for, you know, that family component. And here's fucking Rachel. Like, we're not real sisters, Jamie. Every sick... We're not real sisters. This is what I tell... (laughs) Whenever me and Brady would get drunk on trips, I would just turn to him randomly after, like, 20 minutes of silence and say, we're not real sisters, Jamie. Just to let him know how much I love Dude. him. It's true, though. I mean, so that, again, there's an arc written for the character where she starts off a little bit selfish, a little bit bitchy as the movie progresses and Michael Myers she goes into pro- is Yeah, on she the goes scene. into protector mode. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and again, by the end of the movie, you're rooting for her. Um, but everyone talks about Danielle Harris. She is a fan favorite, the fan favorite, I would say, uh, from the movies that she's in, particularly Halloween 4. Would you would you dare say, Jeremy, that she's probably one of the most celebrated actors I, out of the entire I, franchise? I would say that next to Jamie Lee um, and Donald Pleasance, I would say Daniel Harris is next in line for most celebrated actor in, in, in the Halloween franchise. I mean, she's made four of these movies. She, you know, she did Halloween 4, she did Halloween 5, she did Rob Zombie's Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Um, she, she's an absolute fan favorite. I, I've been seeing her at conventions now for fucking God, man, like eight, since you started 18 going 18 years, like, she's been 18 years now a staple. Yeah. And like, dude, make no mistake. Like just because she's been doing conventions for that long, she always has a line because fans love her. Like she is, like I said, Next to Jamie Lee and Donald Pleasance, she is the fan fra- uh, favorite in the franchise, man. And uh, which is why it's kind of disappointing that she wasn't able to return uh, in Halloween Six when they were, you know, continued her storyline. Initially, uh, Jamie Lloyd's character uh, was a main pivotal character in the original draft of of Halloween Six. Um. You know, and it's funny watching interviews now with Malika Cod and people because they have so much regret about how that character was handled and not bringing Daniel Harris back for part six when they could have, when it was like, dude, pennies on the dollar that they were arguing over and going back and forth on. And, you know, I applaud Daniel Harris and her manager for walking away, knowing their worth and not doing it. Uh, totally get that. It's kind of like what happened with Nev Campbell with Scream. Was that six? Yeah. Six. Like, fuck, yeah. I don't even know how many of those movies there are now. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking about we're talking about Halloween six. So yeah, yeah man. Scream six. Weird little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. So, uh, dude, Daniel Harris is fantastic in this, and the Dwight Little. I know. I I read that he like really fought to bring her into the into the role as well, and. So Dwight Little and whoever the casting director was did fantastic casting her because, I mean, she's gone on to become a, a horror movie icon in her own right. So, yeah, they, 
on top of that, too, uh, her and, and Scout from Rob Zombie's Halloween movies have their own podcast called Talk Scary to Me. It's fantastic. They talk about a lot of sex stuff and spooky stuff. Uh, if, if that's your thing, definitely check it out. I've, I've listened to a few. They're, they're good. They're really good. I, I, the only, the um, ep- it's, only it's, episode that I listened to, and I, it's like such a fucking horrible thing that I'm like, the only episode I listened to was where they cried over how Jamie Lee uh, Curtis treated them when they met Jamie Lee. Yeah, you know, we, we talked a little bit that was about a con- that last year. Yeah, that was year a controversial we, episode. When we had um, Sean Clark on to talk about Halloween Ends, and he kind of talked a little bit about how Jamie was at the after party and stuff after the premiere, and it seemed like she just wasn't in the best of moods and sat in a corner surrounded by security. So there is that picture. Um, it, the anniversary of that was, I think, yesterday or the day before because oh it got tweeted out. Good picture with everyone, Heather Langenkamp and uh, and Scout and Danielle and it, it, it. Good picture. You can tell Jamie's just like who, fake who are smile. These people? <laughs> Here, I'll do the picture. <laughs> who yeah. are these like, people? It, yeah, it's a shame how that all went down. Yeah. You know, I wish I could comment more on it because I don't know anything. If I was else Jamie Lee, the if I was Jamie Lee, I'd be bummed after having to watch Halloween Ends as well. So, ooh, yeah. I'd be ooh, in a bad mood too. I get it, Jamie. Yeah. But Danielle will live on as, as you said, she's one of the biggest icons of the Halloween franchise. And I agree with you 100%. I think for her age at the time, she gives a fantastic, brilliant performance. Uh, You know, the scenes where she has to emote and and, and be scared. I mean, they went through like hundreds of young actors at the time before they got to her. And then, of course, she went on to have a good career of her own in all kinds of different movies and television. And so... Fan favorite. I've met her and love her to death. Think she's super fucking cool. I got to say, though, a standout for me, and I may get shit for this, but Bo Star is Sheriff Meeker, and I like I like Sheriff Meeker. Probably my favorite sheriff from I get all it. the Halloween Dude, movies. Bo, Bo Star was fucking... Maybe more than Sheriff Brackett. Bo Star was, was fucking great, man. Um initially when the guys that made the feast movies um were going to make a halloween movie before the Jamie Lee Halloween 2018 reboot got the green light back when it was still with with the Weinstein company they were going to make a movie called Halloween Returns and it was going to feature uh Ben Meeker um and uh it was going to be you know that his daughter, who obviously, spoiler alert in this movie, uh, Kelly Meeker, gets killed. And so it was going to be like this movie that they were going to make, Halloween Returns, was going to be like a direct sequel to, I don't know if it was a direct sequel to Part 4 or Part 5, but it was going to take place with, with you know what, I think it was going to be Part 5 because he gets arrested at the end of, of Part 5, and I think they were going to ignore yeah, and he's like sitting in jail with the and mask shit, on, hanging out in there with the fucking mask um, on. I think they were gonna ig- <laughs> such a such a terrible. Yeah, I think image. that they were gonna ignore the uh, the Man in Black uh, finale police station shootout, and it was gonna be Michael Myers on death row. Um, and any of the victims of Michael Myers were invited to watch his execution, when obviously things go wrong, and. Michael Myers gets loose in the jail and it's a whole thing. Um, I listened, there's a, a podcast, the, the best movies never made. And yeah, yeah. yeah, great yeah. Podcast. And there was an episode on Halloween returns and it would have heavily featured Sheriff Meeker. Now, whether or not they were going to bring back Bo star or not, 
Uh, that's to be seen. But they were definitely going to use the character. And one of the cool things was uh, at the end of the movie, they had already, uh, and I think I had mentioned this on a previous episode, they had, uh, it was going to end with Dr. Loomis showing up in a hospital, and he was going to be played by Jason Isaacs. Yeah, that's a little some wacky and wild. Yeah, it's a little, little bit of trivia for for you guys because you know I can't tell you what I did last week, um, but I can I can fucking tell you <laughs> any like ridiculous trivia on on movies that I love. So there it is. Yeah, I, I think Ben Meeker is just a beast of a dude. I mean, he's just strong willed, badass, like he's all about like taking care of this shit where, you know, I, I, I love Sheriff Brackett a lot. Charles Cypress is brilliant in the first two. They got Annie. Um, there's something, there's something really just, you know, quintessential badass, eighties badass about Ben Meeker in this one. It's like Brady, he hands him a shotgun. It's like, I catch you grope my daughter. I'll use that shotgun on you. I, I, just, I just love his delivery. He's awesome. It's so natural. He's awesome. Fits perfectly in a Haddonfield set in Salt Lake city. Um, and then, of course, we have Kelly Meeker, played by Kathleen Kinmont, who, uh, a, another firecracker, you know, this cast is just stacked. I think one of the biggest reasons why the movie is as loved by fans as it is, she's just fantastic. I mean, she has, like, the best fucking quoted line in the whole fucking movie. Yeah. And I'm using the F word plenty of times in this episode on purpose because of our most recent review we received, which I'll... Unveiled. Oh, do they say the we say the F, but, the F word too much? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh well, wait till I read it. Wait till I read it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, fuck happens to be my he, favorite he, word. Okay? And here, here I thought that we, we've cut it, we've cut down on that word. Um, but her, her iconic fuck's quote, just a know, word and it's all fucked up. <laughs> gotta quote go. some limpus, you know, some limp biscuit. When, when, you know, when Wade walks up and her daddy don't scare me, and they're betting like $20 that he won't ask Kelly out on a date. She just turns around, sees him coming with that fucking beautiful blonde mullet, and says, fuck off, Wade. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's a thing in the horror community fuck now. Off, like, that's Wade. literally like a line yeah. that it, girls or boys will say to the other sex when they, dude, fuck off, Wade. I, I dude, so I, I saw some like, fuck, I saw some thing. fuck off Wade shirts at age 45. Our good friends from Alone in the Dark podcast, they have a really awesome fuck off Wade shirt with Wade on it. So if you want one, check them out. They love Halloween for as well. Uh, definitely go grab one. They're great. You, you need those. You need. But cops do it by the book. That's where I'm at. I need that fucking shirt. Yeah. Uh, well, um, Kathleen Kinnamont, she sells those at her appearances. Yeah, yeah. right. I've heard that. <laughs> then, of course, you know, last but not least. Sasha Jensen is Brady, and our very own Brady is not here to celebrate the character that he was named after when he yep. was born. So, be ratty. I'm so, so but sorry. But your parents were rad for naming you specifically yeah, after a character in Halloween 4. After a character from Halloween 4. That, that's the way that I believe it, and I'll believe that forever uh, until I'm dead in the ground. Brady, are you coming in or what? <laughs> Of course, you're named after Brady from this movie. I got. I got to um, throw it to the know. the two Michael Myers actors. So we had. Oh, we had course, uh, George yep. P. Wilbur. God rest his soul. Fucking oh, loved man. that guy. He amazing, was amazing. Dude, he guy. was. Amazing he was guy. so nice, man. Dude, I have a picture of Dick Warlock, me and George P. Wilbur, like together. Like, dude, 
they were we were I was at a fucking Monster Mania and they were just hanging out talking and like I walked up and had George P. Wilbur sign a poster and then it was kinda like they went back to talking and I was like, dude, this is kind of an epic photo op situation going on and I was like, guys, I'm I'm so sorry. Like, you're both here. Like, you guys are two of my favorite Michael Myers. Can we take a picture together? They're like, oh, absolutely. So it's a it's a fucking it's a rad picture. And and, and I and I and that's a cut but I assume this is long before they were doing those every Michael Myers in one yeah. picture photo out. Dude, I, I I lucked out in, in 2018 by getting the, uh, me and my buddy Curtis did the epic Myers photo op and it's it was every adult Michael Myers ever to date for the first 40 years of Halloween in one picture. And man, we've already lost two of uh of those Myers actors. We lost Jim Winburn who did the stunts in Halloween one falling off the balcony. And then we lost George P. Wilbur, man. So it's just crazy. Yeah, I'm thankful was, for that picture. You, I, I would be too. I was lucky enough to meet George. And when I met him, it was, I would have to say probably maybe seven years ago. And you could even tell at that point that he yeah, was, you know, he was an older sure. guy, older man, um, hard of hearing a little bit. He, he loved his fans. Yeah. Yeah. He loved claiming four, five, and six because he, he's because they used the yep. footage that they shot for four, but never and then you know put it in five and then I, I, honestly I would have to say it, the work that Tom Morgan did in the movie is fantastic and it, there's a marriage between those two performances with him and George that it, it works perfectly. I never even could have told you that there were two sure, different sure. actors that played the shape in the movie. Yeah, Mor- um, Morga sounds- Morga played the bandaged Michael mm-hmm. Myers. And Bandage, he played the yeah. Michael Myers in, in the the dream sequence where um, Jamie wakes up and Michael's in the bedroom with her and the lightning strikes. Uh, that's also Morga. Uh, dude, imagine being that fucking guy, dude. He got to play Leatherface, Jason, and Michael Myers. He's like the fucking Bill Paxton yeah. of horror icons, man. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, he, he did. Uh, Morga did quite a few things and uh, he was fired off the movie. The producer fired him off the movie. There was like an argument on the set and I don't know what he said, but something happened. There was something to do with Tom wanted the eye holes on the mask or the producer wanted the eye holes on the mask larger. They couldn't do it within the amount of time to shoot the scene. So he ended up getting fired and that was it. So then they brought on Wilbur. But Wilbur's always been a fan favorite of mine. I love how smooth he yeah, walks in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. And all of those scenes of, of the shape, like, just sliding around, those are all, for the most part, all Wilbur. I, I think he's fantastic. He, he And what's funny is he, he's a get, thick Myers. Like, he is dude, not that he's skinny very, Myers. Well, he's a thick boy. Well, here's the <laughs> thing, though. We, we know in this one, Jeremy, or maybe you don't know, they put fucking like shoulder pads on his ass in this one. They were like, bro. They put like they put they put. He, he was a tall guy. He was very tall. If you see, but they, but they actually put padding on him yeah. in this. So that's why there's some scenes where you're like, you can kind of see the shoulder pads. I mean, it is the very 80s, Frankensteinish. Yeah, this came out. Yeah, but it's very Frankensteinish. Um, his movements not much, but because he's very smooth and he's very quick. But yeah, there's he's wearing fucking shoulder pads. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's just it's so funny, man. Both. Think, both Halloween films that he was in, like, he wasn't the the sole Michael Myers, and, and yeah, in six he got replaced in that and one dude, too. Yeah, he got <laughs> he. Uh, they brought in Brad Harden, um, to do a bunch of scenes because they were like, man, 
Wilbur's kind of like thick, and we got to do some reshoots. You too big. We, we want a skinnier big. Myers, even though like Wilbur had done like fucking all of the movie, and. You can see in, in six, you can clearly tell the difference in size because you're like that dude is way smaller. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm not comparing you and I, but I'm like, you know, I'm like six foot tall or whatever. It'd be like me playing Myers for half the movie, then putting you in the costume, and then noticing the difference in our body types, yeah. our height, and everything else, and our arm length. You would immediately notice, and in six, you do notice. Whereas Morga and Wilbur are both taller dudes, more mm-hmm. lankier, longer arms and stuff. So I don't, that's why I don't think you don't notice it as much in part four but they both do a fantastic job i mean i would dare say i mean i don't actually i don't know if i want to rank because we've already done ranking episodes on that stuff maybe you save it for another episode but i i think wilbur's very good the wilbur morga combination is absolutely but we have we have to get to it now we're talking about michael myers we're talking about the shape which is the central element in the movie that most fans give the most fucks about um, so Ken Horn, who was the makeup guy on the movie, he handled the mask. And this is like, this is the last movie he made. <laughs> so he Canceled. originally worked for Don Post Studios and they originally ordered from Don Post the masks to be sent from the original Shatner mold. His, his, his exact quote is they got their first box and there were six of them. And they were pink with white hair. He said, that isn't quite the mask, but we'll work around it. They specifically used the Shatner mold, but he didn't see the masks till they were actually on set. So they didn't get them ahead of time or anything like that. But they were, you know, flesh colored with that light blonde hair. We see one scene in the movie in the elementary school scene when Rachel sprays the shape in the face with a fire extinguisher. We see that he's actually wearing... You know, there was a fuck up. People weren't paying attention. They grabbed a mask out of the fucking truck, which actually has the flesh colored face and like the blondish hair. Um, So and this is not a slight at Ken Horn or anything like that. But he had said, like, I had to go in and take those masks, paint them white and then like dye the hair brown. And maybe he wasn't that good of a painter. It was cheap latex masks at the time. Like if Don Post made them, he didn't do any shading or shadow on any of the features. And that's what we know of with the first two masks, and particularly like the same mask from part one that, you know, Warlock wears in part two. It's weathered. It sat in a fucking box for a while. It's like cigarette smoke and shit. It looked dirty in it, but it had features accentuated in it. And you know, when we see the three masks being worn at the after party for the first Halloween, when, you know, John Carpenter, uh, Nick Castle, and Timothy Wallace's band is playing a show, like our little mini get-together, rather, they're all wearing the masks, the three masks. And you can see how, when they were done, like Nick Castle had said they would just throw them on the ground. Yeah. They would fall in the dirt. They didn't care about it or anything like that. So they'd get, you know, tussled around, and they'd get dirty, and that would cause those features to be accentuated on the masks. Whereas this movie, they're just like stark white. Fish belly white. Yep. So it just looks like he painted like, I don't know what kind of paint he used on them, but there's like a grainy, a very bumpy look to them. And they tease the hair all the way back to slick it back. Whereas in the original, they're like, 
the hair's kind of like frantic and messed up and stuff. So, I, I, you know, people go out and they, they shit on this movie specifically because of the mask. And I get it, Jeremy. I, I know where you're coming from. The mold is there. And I've actually seen uh, independent mask makers and people that I've purchased masks from take that same mold, the Halloween 4 mold, and just fucking shade the thing and paint it differently. And it looks great. I just, again, not shitting on Ken Horn. I just don't think he knew how to paint yeah. masks. To give it that character because sure. it's so stark white and anytime you get a close-up of it it just looks kind of silly yeah. it you know here's the thing i'm used to it now it it's not a thing where i watch it now like when i was a fucking eight-year-old kid and go man that mask is fucked up i'm just like oh that's yeah, the halloween four mask it's fine you know it's fine the rest of the oh, movie sure, is sure, so sure. good it's so good man and like oh my god let's talk about that that scene where Myers and Loomis are reunited in that diner, like that is fuck the uh, most me, powerful dude. scene of the entire movie. Most powerful. Dude, scene I love. Of the entire movie. I love that he's like trying to talk sense into Michael, and then like he realizes like I can't talk sense into God this guy. You, God damn you, Michael! And he starts shooting, and like the shape has fucking vanished as the shape does. Um, you can see Loomis is exhausted. He has remorse, and I. You know what? This is the one thing B. Raddy made sure I mention that this is his favorite moment in the movie, and I, I agree with him one hundred percent. It's a powerful moment. It's an extremely well shot scene. Imagine this is it's been so Ten long years. since the two Ten of years. met, and there, there's this iconic. You so know, at this point, clash. at this point, you're looking at they have a twenty five year relationship with each other by the time we get to fucking Halloween four because I spent fifteen years trying to you know. You know, so he, you're looking at, they, they have this, rela- if this is 10 years since Halloween 2, you're looking at 25 years, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, wa- seeing this scene play out, you can see that there is regret. There is, like, he's still, there's a part of him that still wants to help Michael, to get through to Michael. Uh, but he knows that it's, 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 it's useless because... Yeah, it's a far gone conclusion at this point. I think he just knows that this is this will be his life's work. He's going to either stop this thing or die trying. And I love Helsing, man. Van Helsing to Dracula. Like that's his his life. That's why I've always wanted a sequel where you find out that at one point Loomis was married and had a kid or maybe two kids and his obsession with Michael Myers, you know, it, it ends and it severs his relationships with his family. And, you know, I've always wanted a, a sequel where it, it's, you know, you know, maybe the daughter of Dr. Loomis who gets roped up into this bullshit. And he's, she's like, you know, this is, this is the thing that fucking drove my dad insane. You know, you know what I have to say, man, I got to stop you for a minute. That's a brilliant idea. That's what I want. That's dude. something that that's something that when David Gordon Green took over, we didn't need a Dr. Sartain. We legitimately could have just had an a long lost dude, unknown Wait child for it. So instead that, of Sam Loomis, his daughter Samantha Loomis. Sa- so it's, it literally is Sam Loomis. You know what I mean? Dude, have her wearing have her wearing the same kind of coat yeah. and shit. Don't don't maybe she shaved her head too. She's like, fuck dude, it. Dude, or the care. And I'm not I'm half joking, but seriously, I really do think like that would have been a really cool idea, because as we know, 
family is something that is central, whether people want to believe it or not, to the Halloween franchise. It, it's always been an important and part. And even think about Dana Hayes from Halloween 2018, the investigative journalist. Um, Like, dude, imagine if that was Samantha Loomis. And she's like, you know, I do this podcast on, you know, serial killers. And here we are on the topic that drove my dad fucking insane. And have her be a central main character that becomes the new Ahab to Moby Dick. I will say, though, and not, I love that idea, but she does have one of my favorite moments in the movie when she gets. Oh, killed. yeah. You, you, could, so you couldn't you couldn't kill Samantha Lippin, <laughs> which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Our creeps out there. We're actually recording this on the five-year anniversary date of Halloween 2018. We posted a little bit about it on social media. Um, we probably will talk about it on one more episode again before the end of the month, before Halloween actually hits. But yeah, crazy how that works, man. Five, five years. years. Uh, there's a lot to talk oh, about dude, with that. But yeah, we we have a special we'll, we'll, guest planned for. Uh, a retrospective on that whole trilogy, which gives me a reason to go back and watch the two sequels that uh, we've talked a lot of shit on. Um, And here's the deal, man. I, I have not seen Halloween kills um, in like two years and I haven't seen Halloween ends since I saw it in theaters. So I am, I'm a guy that I've, I've admitted before Justin that, I, I was kind of hot on Rob Zombie's Halloween, and then all of a sudden I wasn't hot on it, and I was like, yeah, these movies kind of suck. And then I came back around to it, and I found my own appreciation for Rob Zombie's two Halloween films for what they are and not what I wanted them to be. So I'm actually hoping that I can revisit Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends and find a new appreciation for them, because at the end of the day, Halloween is my favorite franchise, and despising two Halloween films, it hurts me, man. Um, you know, I kind of put those in the same camp as, as Halloween Resurrection. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Very great point. As we get to all of our favorite scenes from Halloween 4, we got to get to the kills. Oh, yeah. And as you yourself said earlier on, I mean... This movie is a little bit meaner uh, in terms of the spirit overall and the gore aspect, even though it still keeps perfectly in line with what Mustafa Akkad liked with his bloodless Halloween movies. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they screened the movie and everyone kind of collectively said, like, it needs to be a little bit more vicious. And that's when they hired John Carl Beekler to come in. My and boy. They shot some stuff in L.A. And... Yeah, added a couple more deaths in the movie and one of my favorites of the entire fucking movie, which is probably, aside from the gas station scene, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, which is a great action sequence on the truck as Rachel is driving Jamie away and there's all these fucking local hillbillies from the local bar who are all getting hammered the entire night with their shotguns. And we have the shape just throwing them off one by one. And then, you know, the the iconic scene where Mustafa says... More blood! More blood! Is when (laughs) the shape reaches through the window of the driver's side and just grabs his hand in the dude's fucking throat. Rips it out. Rips his fucking head to the... Rips his head right off the... Oh, it's so amazing. I love that scene so much. And the kill is just gruesome. Is that your favorite kill? Gruesome. 
You know, I would have to say probably. Yeah, yeah I, I love the surprise of the scene because there's suspense to it. You know it's probably coming, but um, I would have to say probably. What's uh, yours? Mine is definitely Michael's thumb going through uh, the dude's forehead in the ambulance. Like, <laughs> uh, poor dude, he's just there doing a job, picking him up. It's just like, man, just got to get this guy to the next yep. place. Didn't do anything to him. Yeah, it's. Uh, I-, I love that one because it's just brutal as fuck looking. It's a simple gag too. It's just like a, a fake thumb. Yeah, that, the little spring in it or whatever that goes into the head. And yeah, that's a fantastic one. I mean, there's some pretty iconic kills here. We get Bucky electrocuted. Yep. Like Michael just tosses him on a transformer and he's like shocked <laughs> to death. Yeah. When, of course, another iconic quote. Don't try that Halloween shit with me. <laughs> I, just lo- I love it. Like the, the 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 dialogue in this movie is just fantastic. Has um, anybody ever done a modern is... trailer for for Halloween Four? They're probably. I gotta look is. for they're one, man, because I feel is. like that would be like at the very end of the trailer. Like you don't try that Halloween shit with me, Halloween and then it like it, it, yeah, it and then it yeah. cuts to black with the date of the movie. You know. There is there is someone that dies innocently, Ted Hollister, who they, when all these drunk rednecks are out like, <laughs> shoot him, there he is, Fucking and like idiot. they shoot him to death. Yeah, it's like that's Ted Fucking Hollister. Idiot. And that's they Ted just leave his dead fucking yeah. body there. Oh my god! Like, okay, well, the, so these guys are bad guys too. So when they get killed by Michael Myers, I don't feel that yeah. bad about it. You know, I, I will say. That one of the kills that never made sense to me and doesn't feel like a Halloween kill is Kelly Meeker when he, Michael takes a shotgun and like stabs it through her torso into the wall. I don't know. The effect yeah. is cool and seeing her like fly up on the wall with her arms up and I love that image. But it just seeing Michael holding a shotgun just never really didn't feel yeah, right to me. I kind of wish there would have been that that part one moment too where she's like stuck to the wall and rather than immediately cutting. To what another character is doing if it would have hung there and yeah like the, like bob, the bob moment, moment where he like yeah does like the, dude, that was kind yeah, of a missed bob, opportunity yeah. like you know him admiring his work like he did to bob in part one would have been fucking cool that's a great point for sure um other than that though i think like you know there's brady who you got to give a lot of credit to he brady went out swinging bro actually dude he's fucking doing crosses on michael myers he's like doing some slugging shit he's like fuck this i mean and and the thing about brady is that sure he's just a teenager sure he ditched rachel because he's gonna grab the next best thing that comes along which is kelly but he never actually gets laid he actually has blue balls the entire movie because he's like okay well rachel's not gonna go with me all right so then he is about to make it with kelly nope her dad comes home i mean and, and let's just let's just say it right now that scene, I mean, she's, oh, dude, okay. fantastic, <laughs> amazing. I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry. Bombshell. If I was Bombshell. Brady, <laughs> if I was Brady, and I had a chick like that, that was like, hey, I'm gonna fuck you right now. I'd be like, <laughs> damn, sorry, Rachel. Like, things no. have to be done. Brady, just a minute. You weren't just pissed off. You saw what was in front of you, and you grabbed it. But he never actually ended up... So he's still a likable character because he didn't get laid. Nope. And then he tries to fight Michael to Myers. He gets his ass whooped. He gets his fucking... His his face crushed. You know what? Anytime somebody's like, we're going toe-to-toe, 
like I'm gonna fuck Michael Myers up. I no. am with it, dude. That's why, like, recently I've been. It ain't happening. Recently, though. I've been screaming from a rooftop about how much I love Halloween Five, and I know most people would disagree with me, but I'm like, dude, Doctor Loomis had 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 it up to here with Michael Myers bullshit so much so that in the fifth one. He, dude, he starts whipping his ass, dude. Starts beating him down with a two by four. It's the only time that I can think of off the top of my head where where Loomis was just whipping that ass. Not just like it's not it, just it was all those yeah, years. just not not just shooting at him or shooting him like we'd seen in previous Halloween movies. But in Halloween Five, he's a fucking two by four, and he's like yeah, like he's like beating Michael's ass. I'm like, that's he, right. He's Dr. giving Loomis. him the spanking. He's giving him the spanking that he was hoping he would, he could give him that whole time when he was a child and he was just sitting there silent yeah. in his cell. Dude, so... The blackest eyes. He's like, I'm going to fucking spank that ass, dude, motherfucker. anytime somebody's like, I'm fighting <laughs> Michael Myers, I'm so fucking here for it. So when Brady, like, went out swinging, I'm like, you know what? You go, Brady. You go. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, overall, as we kind of capture the ending of this movie and finish things up i really you know i i gotta say one of my other favorite things is alan howard's score you know he he did the majority of the work on halloween too with john carpenter and here john just steps aside let alan do his thing and he brings it full back like fully back to like the piano score and i think it's some of the best work of the entire yeah. franchise as well he adds some atmosphere um, that was non-present in the first two Halloween movies where there's like this, yeah, you know, like atmospheric spooky chorus stuff and just like weird sounds, I think, that add a lot to the movie. And of course, you know, all the iconic like the shape stalks and, and stuff, all the iconic themes for the most part are present within the movie. I, I love the score. I mean. Howarth did a journeyman's job in terms of like stepping in for John for all those years without him leading up to when John Ottman took over at H2O. Yeah, to 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 mixed but, uh mixed feelings. To, to mixed yeah. responses and then of course we know how that went down. Listen to our H2O retrospective from a few months ago with Phil from the Spook House. But I mean, four to me is just one of the most solid, like I said earlier on, it's meat and potatoes. And at the time, you could see, being an audience member, that all you really wanted was to see Michael Myers come back. Jeremy, you said it earlier where it was like, this is 88. I mean, Freddy was king. Jason was king. These guys were getting churned out sequels. And those Halloween fans out there that were still going to see those movies were like, these are all fine and dandy, but where's the king of the slasher? Where's the guy that originated yep. this? Where is Michael Myers? And they gave him to you in full force and one of the best movies up until that point in the franchise. And I still think it's one of the best of the franchise. I go to this one first probably every Halloween season. It captures the Halloween feel perfectly. Uh, Daniel Harris is brilliant in it as Jamie Lloyd. Don, I mean, Donald Pleasance oh, is so good, dude. Fantastic performance. I mean, Seriously, I don't care if he drank the entire time he played the character. Maybe he needed to do that in order to get Did into. Did he? Is that is that is that a thing? What? Yeah, he he drank a lot on both this one and Halloween Five. No shit. <laughs> yes, if you ask anyone that was on the set, he was drinking consistently. All right. Well, but at the same time, I mean, I don't think of that as a bad thing. They'd have to get him to get his visa to come over from the UK to do these movies. 
he knew how important they were for the fans and how profitable they were to him. I mean, I don't look at it as a bad thing. He loved thing him, dude. There's a scene. There, th- th- he loved him. He appreciated the fans. But there's actually a scene where it's it's a meme now where it's like him drinking the booze yeah. when, you know, he's in he's in the the old truck with the priest and he's just like, oh, you're a pilgrim. I saw it in your eyes back there in the dust. And then, of course, he's like, would you like a drink? And he just like nods and pounds. It. I'm like, that's real. That yeah. Ain't no fucking apple juice. He's there. He's pounding some real. I mean, but it was a different era. It was a different sure. time. I could see Donald Pleasance being like, I'm just going to need some bourbon yeah. for this. Scene. Dude, I you know, I and this is no joke. Every single time I watch a Halloween movie, one through six, I go, I am so thankful we got five Halloween movies with Donald Pleasance. Like, man, I, ju- I just rewatched four, five, and six, and I just go, God damn, he really was the backbone of the franchise. He really was the heart and soul of the franchise. He's the one component that I feel like that's been kind of missing from a lot of the Halloween films is Donald Pleasance, Dr. Loomis, man. Um, so, man, God bless that guy, and, and I'm so thankful that we got him in the role five times. It's really, it's really something special that I don't think we'll ever see anything quite like that again. I, I couldn't agree more, and, and, and to what I was saying a few moments ago, I was picking fun at the the concept that he was drinking the whole time, but as I said, it never affected his performance in a negative way. He was still always right on, dead on, like in the moment, and he gave everything he had in every scene. Incredible. So, but that's it for our thirty fifth anniversary retrospective of Halloween for the return. I think of I'm going to treasure Myers. it. Oh yeah, there's tre- <laughs> it's treasuring all the way around. Like I said, th- th- this is a fan favorite for a lot of good reasons. There's one question I have to ask you before we finish up. In your opinion... Fuck off, Wade. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> was it just a cool moment to end the movie with Jamie being possessed by Michael? Or in your opinion, do you really believe they were trying to set something up for five where Jamie would take control of the, that evil within Michael and then become the villain in the next installment or the installment. I think it was the Carrie moment where, you know, Carrie's hands pop up through the rubble at the end of Carrie, where it was just a cool way to end the movie. And it's like, okay, well you watch the end of Carrie and it's like, okay, is she like a zombie Carrie now? Like, is she like a, like a demon? Like what happened? It's like, no, it was just a cool way for them to end the movie. It was an end jump scare and it was something for you to walk away. Like, oh shit, I didn't expect that. So, I think that I don't think it was something that they were like, cool, in the next one, we're going to have her be the killer. I think they thought like, oh, this will hearken it back to the original. The original. Um, And I don't. Yeah. And I think that maybe that was something that they kind of fucking regretted was was. Yeah, because because look what look what they had to do with Jamie's character in part five where she was like a mute and sitting in the bed the entire time. They dude, they should have just been like that was a fucking uh a dream sequence. The end was a dream sequence or some shit like that. Like I wouldn't have been like I wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, that's totally how we're gonna accept that it ended. Like I, I would have been like, nah, that's a fucking that's a dream sequence. So um yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was something haphazardly they threw together because they thought it was a cool way to end the movie and it is 
It, it is. It's a fantastic way to end the no! movie. No! No! Dr. Loomis. No! No! Yeah, no, and I love his face in that scene. Again, brilliant performance, and then I, it's the most iconic shot out of any of the Daniel Harris Halloween movies is her staying there at the top of the stairs with the clown yeah. mask on, and, and she's got the, the bloody scissors, and there yeah. it is. It's iconic. But there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our 35th anniversary retrospective. Just in time for the anniversary, we are releasing it on the actual anniversary. So thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy it. And maybe you'll you'll pair it with the movie. You'll listen to this either before or after you watch the movie. But watch the movie. It's one of the best. It's time to celebrate one of the best of the franchise right this year. But again, thanks for listening to the show. If you like the show, you hate the show. Let us know. Let me let me hear that uh, review, man. What what was iTunes. what was what was that review? Yeah, so okay, so I, I listen. I always say this on the show, and maybe he listened and was like, "Listen, he said to leave a negative review if I felt this way, so I will." Uh, the title to the review is "So Many F Bombs, One Star." Can you add more Fs in post production so that they so when you say them, it means even less. That comes from Neon Knight Rob number one, the Apple Podcast, and he's from the U.S. So, uh, Neon Knight Rob number one, thank you for listening. For um, sure. I, well, I I'm, not gonna, I'm not even I'm not even going to poke fun and and make a joke out of it. Like I no, I get it. No, I no, I, no, I no. say the f word a lot. It is my favorite word. It's a very impactful word. And it's a very useful word. I feel like you can use it in a lot of different ways, and it comes in. It can it be comes, overused. Oh, I dude! Don't feel like we watch, do watch the, the I don't think watch the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. It can absolutely be overused. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would like to think that we use it sparingly, depending on you know what kind of impact we want to. You have. know what? Maybe it was Maybe. an episode where you know we were drinking or something, and the the fucks were flowing, man. Because sometimes fucks they be flowing. flowing. Flow oh, them yeah, fucks. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> Thanks for leaving that review, but also if you like listening on Spotify, you don't even have to say nothing. You can just click the stars. It helps us as well. But also, we're all over social media at Epic Film Guys on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, literally everywhere. But thanks again for celebrating the Halloween season with us. I'm Justin. Fuck. I'm Jeremy. (laughs) And we miss you. Be ready. Hoping you're having fun on the Haunted Mansion ride in Disney. Until next time, as we like to say, we want to ask you to keep it. Oh, creep.